Hello and welcome to the first and most likely the last edition of Busby and Martin's Film Review, the show that takes a sideways glance at the latest cinema releases. Essentially, it's a scaled-down version of those chaps at the BBC on a fraction of the budget without any heavyweight Hollywood guests offering opinions of no real credibility whatsoever, nor that we're selling ourselves short or anything. Now, I'm your host, Stuart Martin, and I'm joined in the studio by a man whose film obsession knows no bounds. I've even caught him watching one of those subtitled ones, God forbid. I jest, I jest. How are you today, Monsieur Elliot Busby? I'm good, thank you very much, Stuart. Right, so first on the agenda, we have Trans, the next addition to director Danny Boyle's eclectic back catalogue. Now, here's a clip. Have you ever been hypnotised before? Uh, no, at least not that I can remember. Close your eyes. There you are, in the passenger seat of an open-top car, driving through the countryside with a beautiful young woman. I like your voice. And with every mile you travel, all your problems. Where is the painting? I don't remember. Seems so far away and so long ago. Was I hypnotized? So nice and straightforward then. (laughs) Elliot, fill in the blanks for us there. Yes, it's not a film that follows a very... uh, strict linear uh, narrative Um, James McAvoy plays an auctioneer tangled up with some pretty bad people uh, the baddest of which is Vincent Cassell um, or his character anyway Uh, whilst stealing a painting Cassell gives McAvoy an almighty crack to his head which wipes his recent memory Um, and when it transpires that McAvoy has actually hidden the painting in question a psychotherapist played by by, uh, Rosario Dawson is roped in uh, to try and unlock his memory but as she starts to dig deeper into his memory, some worryingly dark uh, th- uh, recounts come to the surface. I've seen and enjoyed the film, but uh, why does McAvoy insist on putting on that ridiculously upper-crust Scottish accent? Like, he, he was raised in Jumtrapple after that. <laughs> I know you've got a bit of a, a lingering problem with this, um, although it's not lingering anymore. Um, it's... I, I, I don't know. I think it is his natural accent. I, I can guarantee maybe it wasn't his natural accent when he was younger but having gone through uh, you know the RSAMD and done drama and things like that he's had to sort of polish it off a little bit which is quite fitting considering this film was very very highly polished maybe I should stop being so harsh on James then maybe uh, does the film itself does it does it rival Boyle's past work um, what can be said is it's everything that you expect from a uh, Danny Boyle film, it's sleek and shiny and it's, like I said, it's very highly polished um, but what it doesn't have is the the punch or long lasting impact that films like Trainspotting and Slumdog Millionaire um, or even to a lesser extent 127 Hours um, have on you or at least they did for me um, it feels altogether a little bit thin um, to quote Bilbo Baggins um, like, <laughs> like not enough butter over too much bread um, it also um, seems intent on tying itself in knots. Um, there's um, there's so many twists and turns in it that at the end of the film, I was left thinking, what what just happened, basically. Um, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy the film. I did, um, but I think at the same time, I think it could have been um, a lot better. 
So, next up we have Spring Breakers. Now, I don't really know where to start with this one. In a nutshell, it's a, a vision of every parent's nightmare being played out in front of them on a very big screen. Now, is there more to this film than prolonged shots of girls' breasts, unruly adolescents drinking copious amounts of alcohol and wannabe gangsters wielding automatic machine guns? Not really, to be honest. Um, You know, it's something of a baptism of fire for the young actresses involved, um, which they've obviously tried to use as something of a, a selling point for it. Um, most of most of them um, have have only done these sort of nicey nicey Disney flicks and children's TV shows. Um, the girls in question, um, just to give you a background of what the actual film, the actual plot, um, the girls in question are desperate to get away from their mundane life at college, with everyone away soaking up the sun. Um, I mean, there's there's only one place that they want to be. Um, in their desperation and needing a lot of money to make the trip happen. Um, they rob a local restaurant. Now, this is this is what got me slightly. You know, it's a blatant advocate for capitalism, which is which is fine because well, it isn't fine, but it's what you expect from a Hollywood production because why would um, why would it be anything else? But it also seems to champion um, stealing and robbery. Um, one line in particular um, is delivered by one of the girls um, who claims that her shall we call them assets. Um, have been enhanced thanks to the large amounts of money that they seem to have uh, seem to have robbed. Um, an altogether outrageous claim, but sadly, it's rather in keeping with the tone of the film in general. Um, money but, has been used to enhance breasts in the past. <laughs> true, very, very true. Um, but anyway, the girls are arrested um, once they find their way down to the Florida coastline. Um, after being caught up at a drunk field party, but they are bailed out by um, an enigmatic character called Alien, um, played by James Franco, um, and then from then on things begin to go um, slightly pear-shaped. Yeah, for me, uh, Franco's performance was one of the few rays of light in this film. Uh, I believe you've you've got a clip, Elliot. Uh, yes, this clip um, is when the girls first meet um, Alien. Um, once he bails him out of uh, uh, jail. Come on, y'all. Why you acting suspicious? Get in. Where are we going? Go wherever you all want. Cotty. Got the right idea? Come on. I'll be your chauffeur. You'll be your chauffeur. Yeah. You all can play Beyonce. Y'all ever been arrested for? No. Never? No. Shoplifting, shit like that? Steal bras? <laughs> Is he scared? No. No? Mmm. Tough bitches up in here. <laughs> yeah, so you get the sort of gist of it there. Hmm. Uh, this is uh, being widely regarded as the director Harmony Kareen's most complete work. He's a bit of a strange character, isn't he? Yes, I mean, I, I su- suppose it is. Yeah, he's done a lot of short films and TV movies, um, but this is his first relatively big budget piece. And when I say relatively big big budget, I mean it has an actual budget. The budget for this was only um, reportedly $5 million, which is not big in uh in the grand scheme of things, but it is when you've been working on little sh- uh, short films. 
Um, but it seems as if the $5 million has gone to his head a little bit. Um, he he was quoted in the past as saying that he feels his films are on the right side of righteousness. I'm trying to say that after a few. And that he wants as many people as possible to see them, actually saying that he wants them to be played in malls. Now, if this film ever, ever gets played in a mall, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but with this film in particular, um, Corrine's got a little bit um, carried away, I think. Seems like he was trying to vicariously live his uh, youthful days again there. I have, to, I have to say, though, that, you know, much to my own surprise, I did actually find myself liking it um, in parts. Um, it must be said that most of the segments I liked were involving James Franco. Um, on the surface, his performances. Um, sort of a parody of a wannabe gangster slash rapper, but in reality, it's a deeply sinister performance that you know that deserves much praise. So, luckily for parents in Scotland, this uh, spring break phenomenon is not something they have to contend with. Can't imagine drinking a three-liter bottle of diamond white in the pouring rain on a beach in Lards having the the same kind of appeal. Now, uh, finally, we have uh, Dark Skies, a horror flick attempting to reignite the alien attempting to abduct middle-class family genre. It's the usual setup: Young, good-looking suburban families start experiencing strange, unexplainable disturbances at their home. We come to learn that aliens, imaginatively called the Greys, are their tormentors and that they will stop at nothing until they get what they want. Here's a clip. Which member of your family did they first make contact with? My youngest son, Sam. And Sam is in the most danger. There was someone in here! Sam! Oh my god. The events you've been experiencing, the disturbances in your home, it means they're getting ready to take you. Something's coming, isn't it? Protect your family, Miss Barrett. So, were you taken, Elliot? No, um, I wasn't, uh, to be blunt. This is a film with little originality in the way that it gives its frights and it's hard to remain engaged throughout, to tell the truth. Um, All the time, we're meant to feel sorry for this family, not just because they're seemingly the victims of an alien invasion, but also because they're having financial troubles. Now, this is an entirely unnecessary subplot that would have trimmed the film by about 20 minutes, which I'm sure is something that would have been welcomed by the majority of uh, the audience um, there are some scenes which are so needless that I began to think they were only included to bulk up the running time um, the acting is wooden, the writing is cringeworthy and a couple of the creepy moments aside, it is completely placid um, the best scene of all happens in the last few minutes and I left thinking what could have been um, because it was genuinely creepy um, but it, it definitely lacked a certain something. But it's a, der- a terribly cliched, methodical film that rivals directors, rivals the director's other work, Priest and Legion, for sheer pointlessness. Now you touched on it being uh, cliched. Now, what's the deal with this weird kid doing disturbing drawing subplot that seems to have enveloped every horror film for the last decade? I think I, I blame the ring for this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair. In a word worth seeing? No. Okay, don't damning there from Elliot. <laughs> well, sadly, we've reached the end of the show. I'd like to say we'll be back next week, but that would be a lie. Now, all that's left for me to do is thank Elliot Busby for putting films before any form of a social life. Thanks, Elliot. You're welcome, as always. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>